I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we are talking about startups and tips and ideas to help you reach the success you're looking for. As always, we've got some great resources around LUTs, and so I'm really excited to introduce LUTs Tax Director, Ashley England. Ashley, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at LUTs? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me today. Glad to be here. I am, like you said, a tax director. I work out of our Hastings location. I was a part of the transition for LUTs to move into central Nebraska and came on board about a little over three years ago, having worked at a couple other accounting firms prior to the transition to be a LUTs employee. The different things that I do throughout the firm vary depending on the day, but typically work with business owners to go ahead and build their business, whether that's from the startup phase, like we're going to talk about today, or well-established businesses, either in their in their tax practice, but also helping them build transition plans for their business to move into the future. So I overlap with our M&A department when we're working on those different things. You get to work with Bill, huh? Yeah, always always an interesting experience, (laughs) but they provide a lot of value to our clients, especially I think in the time that we're seeing businesses go through right now in the next five to 10 years, those services are going to be more important than ever before. Sure. So are you born and raised Hastings? I am not. My husband is from Hastings. I grew up in Butte, Nebraska, which is a small farming, ranching community. you moved to the big city. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I went to college at Westland. So Hastings was kind of a really nice middle ground for us and for us to build our family. We have two little girls. Cool. So they keep us on the sprint when we're not chasing after our own clients. Oh, sure. I had a buddy that went to Wesleyan. He was an athletic trainer. Okay. Did you play sport? Nick, did I Nick Bees. Okay. But probably just a few years. A few years after yeah, younger. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I didn't see much of Wesleyan's campus, but I mean it was we actually graduated on the same day. Okay. So it was fun. He we actually lived together, but we had graduation on the same day, but we went to different graduations. So right. it was kind of fun. Right. But anyways, so why are we talking to you about startups today? Well, I'd say startups is one of the passions that I've always had. Working with those businesses, I feel like you get the opportunity that's the most rewarding for both the business owner and us as professionals to see them start from ground zero and then be able to provide them guidance and help and be a part of that team from day one so that as their business grows, I think it's really a rewarding experience both for the clients because of the level of trust that they have in us as professionals. But as the professional, it's also rewarding because you almost feel like you're a part of that business when you get to help them from day one all the way to where they want to take their dreams. They succeed, you succeed. Exactly. Right. So, you know, we have this idea of startups and, you know, you hear the term startup and I immediately think, you know, Silicon Valley startup that even that Silicon Valley TV show, which is funny, but not Mm -hmm. the point, I guess around here, what are some ideas of startups? I mean, a startup is anything. A startup literally just means, you know, having a business idea and starting a company, right? Right. And I think it can mean so many different things for so many people because it's all about what your dream and where your passions are at. So a startup can be that tech startup that a lot of us are brain shifts to that to begin with, but it can also be an online clothing boutique that someone's running out of their home 
or it can be a brewery that someone thinks in central Nebraska there's a market for this and we don't have this here. It can be manufacturing. It can be any industry and any type of business. It just, I think so much of it depends on what that business owner wants and what their future goals are. For some people, it's just to be average and to have that side hustle that we hear people talk about. And for some people, it's so much bigger than that. And I think that for me is what's always exciting because it's different for everybody and their needs then are different depending on where they want to go with things. Right. No, absolutely. Now, would you say you mentioned something that they're passionate about? Would you say, and I guess we're getting into kind of our first topic here. Mm -hmm. What, you know, what is there a recipe for success, but would you say that passion for what you're doing is more important or realizing an opportunity in the market? Right. I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of both, but What do you think about the difference between the two of those? I think it is a combination of both, but I mean, I think when we talk about recipe for success, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is be the solution. So if you're going to build a business, I think the most successful businesses that we see is because someone said, hey, I'm irritated with this or I can't get this service or this product is not working for me. And then they went out and they created a solution or created something to solve that problem and found a market for it. So I think number one, you've got to be the solution to a problem. And then you've got to understand what the market is for that problem. But I think passion is probably the second piece of that in my mind. I mean, you can't run a startup from ground zero without having that passion. Right. So I would say it almost goes into dream big, but plan for the worst. And I think sometimes that's where, you know, we don't love to be the naysayer, but I think that's where having an accountant or having a team of people surrounding you becomes really important because a lot of times you want those business owners, you don't want to squash their passion and how big they're thinking, but there needs to be a reality to that. Right. And so I think when you combined those two pieces, be the solution and have a good plan that's where we see the most success in these small business startups sure i feel like sometimes and and i say sometimes people feel this way i guess maybe it's just because i've felt this way you think that passion needs to be the leading cause but sometimes i think it can also be a lagging factor that comes into play later i and i just think about my own personal career I didn't go to school for technology. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, my first couple of jobs outside of school weren't in technology, but I found a passion for, for providing a service to people, making sure that, you know, their needs are getting met and, and succeeding and growing. And then in turn was able to hopefully find that in technology. Right. So I feel like if you find an opportunity, but you're not passionate about it, maybe you'll find the passion in building that opportunity. But also, if you start with the passion, like you said, probably need to make sure you've got some organization to it. Right, and make sure that you've built your team around you. I mean, I think it's something we talk about here a lot at Lutz, but I think it translates really well to any business model is, if you're the business owner, Jack, and you've got an extreme passion, there's going to be things that you're really good at and usually we want you to pursue those and pursue them as hard as you can but that usually means that there's going to be some things that you're not as good at so building that complementary team around you whether that's people that you're going to employ within your organization or that's outside counsel that you're just going to use as advice and as mentors I think that's one of the most important things that 
as people get going and even if you get one year down the road on your own, if people haven't built that support system around them, whether it's internal or external people, right. that's when things get really hard, I think. Sure. I feel like that's got to be a pretty tough thing for someone that is, you know, has a strong personality and a passion for something to look and, you know, introspectively realize that they've got certain things they're not very good at. When you're at the helm and you're leading an organization, even if it's of one or two people, right. you feel like you need to be the best at all of the things, right? You don't right. want to not have the answer for something for some people. And so that's, I'm sure that's, that seems like it would be a very difficult piece. So I'm sure not only are you aiding in the tax side or the you know the financial side of the business what's your involvement in in that organizational piece of surrounding them with the right people i think part of it is just part of our job as accountants and people don't necessarily think of it that way to begin with but it's listening and then it's helping provide feedback i think the best thing that we can do and like i said at the beginning it's always best if we're involved from day one because we have the opportunity to hear what are the initial thoughts? How are they growing and transforming as this plan comes into place? But if we as accountants or bankers or attorneys can be involved from the onset, it gives us the opportunity to, to kind of be that team without making the business owner feel like we're infringing on sure. what they're trying to build right. and still provide them the feedback that at least in those initial stages they need to hear. They need to hear the feedback of what does your legal structure mean to you in the future? What does your legal structure mean to your tax consequences? How are you going to get financing to pay for this? And what does that mean for your taxes? And just floating those different ideas. So I feel like sometimes for business owners, it's easier to start by building that outside external team. Sure. Because like you said, it's not as threatening to what they're trying to accomplish or right. what they're trying to dream of inside of the organization. Right. I think as you grow as a business owner, whether it's a startup or you have prior business experience, I do think with time you learn that there are certain things that running your business you don't get as much joy out of as others and I think that's where the finding a complimentary person or people within your organization becomes right. really important because for your business to be as successful as it can you're most definitely best off to do the things that you love the most sure. so if you can find people that backfill you know say you're the big dreamer and you want to have the big ideas but you don't want to be bogged in the numbers Finding somebody that has that offsetting skill set is huge to you being able to take your business from that startup phase to a growth phase and to continue to progress it forward. Sure. Yeah, specialization, I'm sure, is pretty yeah. important in terms of not only doing what you like, but doing what you're good at, too. Right. That's a really interesting point, though, that your external advisors, it might be a less intimidating process to, you know, to bring them on. Typically you look at lawyers or attorneys and bankers and accountants and most people, if they're not an attorney or a banker or an accountant say, I don't want to do that. I don't know what that's about. So I'll leave right. that to them. So already you're saying it's okay that it's a skill that I don't know right. or don't have. One thing to that though, that I think is curious. I mean, when we're talking about pure startups, getting legal counsel and a good accountant, I mean, those things can be expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure there's a, a, a bit of, you know, a difficult point where you become successful enough to afford the counsel that you need, but I'm sure there are situations where they feel like, well, they're coming along now just because they know I'm successful now. Right. Right? I mean, how do you get 
the advisory, you know, help that you need in the beginning without being able to pay for it? And then how do you sift through the numerous different, you know, options of lawyers, accountants, bankers, you know, to find the right one that's not just trying to get the money out of you? Right. And I think that goes back to, you know, businesses, I think, typically start themselves because they're trying to solve a problem. I think that's also, if, if I were a business owner and I'm trying to interview and get that perfect external team of banker, accountant, attorney, right. whatever those, financial advisor, whatever those people are, I think you go back to the same principle. You know, find the people that will be your solution. Sure. Okay. And yeah. find the people that you will trust to be your right. solution. Because, yes, there is a cost that comes with that. And we see a lot of businesses and a lot of startups that that's hard for them to stomach. But if you can find somebody early on that you have trust in and that will prove themselves, even though you're in a startup phase and they may not be able to charge you for everything they're doing, but they're going the extra mile and they're making themselves feel like they're part of your business and being a solution to the problems that you have. I think that's the best way for you to know, you know, as your success builds and as you've got multiple people coming towards you because they want to work with you, I think you always have to go back to that gut feeling of who do I trust and who's going to provide me the honest solution that I need to grow and to fix my problems. Sure. That seems like a pretty common theme then that, you know, if, if, if you want to succeed at, at, you know, starting your own business, your own, your own idea, your own passion, you probably need to be able to read people. Agreed. Pretty well. Agreed. I think so much of what we do in our profession, but even in businesses, it all revolves around people. You know, you may run a manufacturing company, but you're manufacturing for a person's need. And I think when you're growing a business, especially when you're the business owner and you're going to manage that, so much of it revolves around people and being able to read them and being able to build a team that you trust. So I think that's a piece that as businesses grow, the ones that are able to, even if it takes some challenges or a couple steps backwards, if they continue to add to their organization with people that they trust and believe in, those are the ones that are the most successful. That's got to be a very difficult point in a startup's life cycle when you've found someone you thought you trusted or thought you needed or thought filled a role that was, you know, going to benefit the organization and then having to get rid of them. Right. Because I'm sure that's a large piece of it too. I right. mean, being able to determine someone's no longer fit to, you know, help you get to where you need to be and you have to make that decision even though they've been with you for a long time. Right. And I don't think in any business that that's ever an easy decision. I think the best thing that any level of business can do, whether you're a startup or you're a well-established business, I think is communication and understanding that you're dealing with people on the other side, but the more transparent and the more open and honest that you can be, those conversations are never easy, but they will get easier if you're transparent and and very honest with your people as you're working with them. I guess in terms of selecting, you know, either people to join the organization or, or bring people in or advisory roles from external parties, would you say it's better to run lean until you find the the right one or sometimes you need to allow yourself to think, you know, 
maybe they don't seem like they're what I need right now, but they'll present them. So, I mean, that seems like another difficult, again, going back to being able to read people, but, right. you know, if you wait for the perfect person for the role, you're, you're going to be probably working, you know, doing right. that role for too long. I mean, right. I think that it. comes down, Unique, you brought that up. I'm working with a company that's kind of going through the same process right now, and, and they're a well-established company, but they're sure. still going through it. I think some of that comes down to your growth appetite and your appetite for risk. There are some companies that I have seen that want to grow and they understand that a part of your growth is the fact that there are some peaks and valleys as you build the appropriate internal infrastructure for that. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're going to hire ahead of when you need somebody so that you have enough time to train them and get them up to speed. So that at the point when you said, hey, we really need this, position filled you've already spent the time and someone's trained and they're right. ready to run with it you're going to have some cost consequences to that Absolutely. if you bring someone on a little earlier but it probably also helps you grow when you hit that growth stage a little bit faster sure. whereas some people might be a little bit more risk averse or cost conscious and in those instances they're willing to run a little bit more lean and use a little bit more of their time until they know with certainty that they need that position filled which may come at the expense of growth correct right it may it may mean that you know rather than you being able to grow 10 percent because you took two years of cost cuts to get that team built Mm -hmm. if you wait until you need that person and you run lean for a while that may mean rather than 10% growth you're at 5% because it takes you a little bit longer on that runway to get built back up sure so you really need to know your constraints I mean right what things you're okay with you know I'm okay with hiring someone and the chance that I'm gonna have to get rid of them or which obviously sounds like you're a little bit less cost conscious right right but you know, it's, it sounds like strengths fine. You got to know yourself. I think you do have to know yourself. And I think that's something that like obviously changes. And as your business grows, right. the things that you love and the things that you want to do change, that's fine. Right. But being in tune with what your vision is and also being comfortable that you've got a group of people you can bounce ideas off of, whether that is your professional team of attorneys, bankers, lawyers, or that's your friends and family, like you need some people to help keep you grounded so that oh my gosh. so that you know where do you stand who I am and what do I want to be I can't imagine some of the decisions I've had to make in the last like two and a half years three years without being able to call my dad right you know or or talk to a buddy that's going through a similar experience across the country right I mean that you know I think that alone is also something that's extremely important for not only a startup or for anyone that's trying to figure out what they want to do with their career, be able to blow up once in a while if you feel the need to. Right. And you, you, you need outlets to be able to bounce ideas and say, Hey, I need a sanity check because I want my business to grow and I want to pursue this crazy idea. What do you think? Right. And you just need to find those people that can give you honest feedback, whether that's, hey, Jack, you're insane. Right. This is never going to work. Which might be most of the time. Right, right. <laughs> or that person that says, like, hey, I can understand why you think there's a need for that. Like, do what it. about these one or two things? And right. do it. Yeah. No, cool. Do you have any other, I guess, tips for success or, or you know, when you think about the very beginning stages, what, what things to keep in mind? I mean, we talked about, you know, having a passion and understanding there's an opportunity and, and seeing a need and wanting to fill that need and also surrounding yourself with the right 
you know, counsel. Right. Do you have any other, any other things that really stick out that someone is like, you know, might forget about? It's going to sound extremely simple, but I think the best thing you can do is if you're not afraid to start a business and like chase a crazy idea, don't be afraid to ask the question that you think is a dumb question. Mm -hmm. And we all hear that from like the point we start school until we're probably ready to die. I mean, Ashley, hear that. I have literally lived by that. <laughs> you will hear me ask some of the dumbest questions, <laughs> but I know someone else is thinking it. Right. And it gives you the opportunity to learn and to absorb the information, right. whether that's fact or opinion or someone's thoughts, but don't be afraid to ask the dumb question, especially when you're in the startup phase, because just because you feel like it's a dumb question, like you said, doesn't mean that every other business owner had to figure it out right. along the way. So whether that's calling your accountant being like, look, I have no idea what this is going to mean for my taxes, or that's calling an attorney and being like, hey, my friend told me I need an LLC. I don't even know what that is. What does that mean for sure. me? I mean, like, strip it down to the basics, but don't be afraid to ask the questions along the way to the people that you want opinions from or that can give you factual answers because I think all entrepreneurs have that in them where they want to learn and that's part of where they get their... Yes. Right. But sometimes I think just as humans... We get scared about the things that we don't know, so we don't ask. Mm -hmm. And in the startups that I've seen, the ones that accelerate the most are the ones that are willing to say, I feel like I should know this, but I don't, so can you help me? Sure. So put your ego, put our prides aside and ask the question, because if you can absorb that information, it just continues to help you accelerate. So at what point, though, do I ask enough dumb questions where people just think that I'm dumb? <laughs> I think that's where it go goes back to surrounding yourself with right. the team of people you trust. Because yes. if you're working with people that you trust, they may sit across from the table from you and be like, man, I thought you knew that. Yeah. But they're not going to turn you away. They're still going to answer the question. They're still going to teach you. Like how about you take a seat? Right, right. right. <laughs> let's, let's draw a picture yeah. and let's talk through this. But they're not right. going to turn you away if they're people that believe in you and you have a mutual trust for one another. So I think it goes back very, very much to the team you surround yourself sure. with. That's something that I've found pretty incredible, you know, at least being around here, being around accountants is, you know, there's enough, you know, I, I, of course I'm... You know, I think I'm the smartest person in the world, so <laughs> as I think all of us do, but you know, I took accounting one, I took accounting two in college for my credits, <laughs> and there was still things that you know you can look up online and think you have an understanding of, but until you have an accountant to explain it to you, you're like, wait a minute, that was completely I mean it's it's bizarre. It's almost, you know. But so along those lines, yeah, I mean, I think that's an incredible tip to not especially if you feel like you're starting an organization trying to be successful right like you said let your ego go right ask that question right cool. ask the question and see where it takes you because i think it always has to be a perpetual learning process right what have you seen that people have done or, or startups or, or you know businesses in their beginning stages what, what are things they've done where they've really tripped up i mean what are things that can cause mm -hmm some serious issues or mistakes that, that entrepreneurs make? I think one of the mistakes that I do see businesses make is maybe not understanding your market and the value of your product or your service. I think that's one of the important 
exploratory stages that every startup needs to take themselves through. Sure. You know, if you're going to open a food place or you're going to open a juice company, you need to know what the product is going to retail for and how the market that you're surrounded in is going to respond to that. Because if you're going to take this product to market and it's overpriced five times what somebody is going to be willing to pay for it, you've already set yourself up for failure before you've got yourself out of the gate. You want to be the solution. You want to have the product. You want to have the service that is the solution, but it's understanding where the market values that at. And whether you're valuing your stuff too low, so you're not going to make enough margin on it, or you're valuing it too high, so you're not going to have enough sales. I think you have to run whatever data you can, and maybe that's reaching out to somebody you know in the industry, or that's reaching out to an accountant to see if they can get pricing information from data that they have. I think it's important to understand the value of what you're providing. So how does one come by that information then? I mean, I know that there's there's resources out there to understand, you know, the marketplace in terms of number of businesses or number, you know, number mm-hmm. of, of consumers. How do you figure out you're, you're too expensive before no one's buying your stuff? Well, sometimes that does come at a trial. Okay. I mean, sometimes that comes from polls or surveys or a... You know, if it's a restaurant or a juice company, it's a trial run at opening to see what people are going to pay for and then surveying those people. I think that can come in a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to just come from data that you can pull off the internet. Right. I think a lot of times the best time you get results is when it's real life interaction with people and they feel comfortable to give you their honest opinion of would sure. I come back and would I pay these prices or was your service what I was helpful for? What can you do that would make this more worthwhile for what I paid for it? I'm sure there's moments where you either have to let your ego go and be willing to reduce your prices or also say, no, this is valued mm-hmm. at that, that, you know, and, and I'll take less customers because the value I gain from, from the margin on top of that is, right. is worth more than the two extra customers I would have received. That gets into a complicated analysis of, of right. where you're at and trying to, again, figure out your risk, you know, whether you're risk, risk tolerance. Yeah, your risk tolerance. And mm-hmm. you can probably make it as complicated or as simple as you want, though. You can. I think that's a really great point. And as we're talking about things that trip businesses up, I think sometimes it is them making it too complicated. You know, we've talked about some things that could get really nitty gritty and into the details and, and could be as complicated as you want to make them. Sure. Business owners usually get into starting their own business because they have an idea and they're an idea person. So I would say as much as you can keep yourself from letting it become super complicated, those are usually the people that sure. you know, have a gut instinct and then they find data that supports their theory and their thought process and move forward with it or make small adjustments. It's usually not an overhaul. It's just making tweaks to your initial idea. Change it, watch it. Yeah. Change it, watch it. Yep. Kind of thing, right? Pivot just a little bit, but Pivot. you usually don't need to overhaul the whole system. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> any other mistakes you see people make? Anything else that, that can be a speed bump? The only other thing I would say is I think it's very easy for excuses to get in the way. Right. I think there's a lot of people that love or have an idea in their brain and and the excuse or the fear of failure. Fear of failure is probably a better way to put it. Right. Stops them from pursuing it. 
I think it goes back to knowing who you are and knowing what your risk tolerance is. Sure. Because if you're going to start this venture of being a startup and starting your own business, you need to know how far am I willing to push my fear of failing to make right. this company work. And you need to know what your appetite for that is. Sure. Some Sounds people right. don't assess that before they get started and then they get a year in and it's it's overwhelming. Right. So. Yeah. You think of failure in the sense that you fail once and it's done. Right. But then I think you need to, once you start looking at failure as a, a constant thing, mm -hmm. right? You fail every day or you fail every week, you know, the more you become tolerant to those failures, the, the larger failures right. become a lot less severe. Right. Right? So it's being able to have the tough conversations and let someone go that you thought that was going to be a good person for your organization and right. be okay with saying, I made a bad call on that. Right. You know, and, and then if your business tanks, hopefully you've dealt with enough failure till then that you're going to start well, another one. Exactly. That you can learn from that experience right. and move it forward. Right. Business tanks. I guess that might not be the most sensitive <laughs> way to say it, <laughs> but you know, it's, it means the same. You, you understood what I meant. Yes. Yes. We'll reword that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say in terms of timing, mm -hmm. right? Is there... Is there ever a good time? I mean, I understand, you know, obviously looking at the economy and understanding the economy, and that goes back to understanding opportunity, I right. think, but do you think there's ever a good time or a bad time in the general sense? I think the best time to do it is when you have the idea and when you when you have that solution. I mean, we look at the environment that we're operating in right now and COVID's obviously turned the world on its head, but never would I say that this is a reason that people, if you have an idea and you think you can provide a solution to the market, take it and run with it because there's never going to be a time where you're not gonna run into challenges. Whether that be a global pandemic or economic issues or struggles with your family, right. you're always going to have challenges. They're just going to be different. So if it's something that you believe in and that you provide, think that you're providing that solution for, sure. I would say the best time to do it is now. Right. You know, take your idea and run with it. Cause I, you're never going to be able to start up a business and not have challenges. And that's just something you have to understand. I think that idea itself, you know, really carries beyond starting a business, mm -hmm. right? I mean, being okay with things not going how you planned right? and being willing to address it and confront it and learn from it right? and keep going. And make adaptations. I think that's one thing. If we look at the current environment we're in right now, mm -hmm. we've seen a ton of businesses adapt and change the way that they function and the way that their employees work and where they work. And I think that needs to be a learning experience for all of us, including startups. You know, you're always going to have those challenges, but like we said, you're going to have to turn a little bit, tweak a little bit and move forward. So I think any of those business owners that are sitting out there right now with their dream and they've, you know, scratched some numbers on a napkin, if you believe in that, now is still the time. Don't wait five years because five years from now, you're going to still have that napkin and right. still have challenges in front of you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's not, not the easy stock. Go out there, buy a stock and it hits it big. I mean, you right. gotta just play the market easy as what did Chris say? He said, put some money in, let it do its thing and just enjoy life. <laughs> yep. you know? But at the end of the day, in terms of 
starting a business or running a business, it might not be that simple and, and, and easy. Right. Awesome. Well, I think, you know, it sounds like have a passion, find an opportunity, know yourself, understand yep. your risk tolerance and, you know, who you are and where you want to go and surround yourself with some solid people and be okay with failure and you'll... Right. It's that easy, huh? So it is that <laughs> it easy. It sounds really, really so simple. So it is that easy. Execution <laughs> can be difficult, but right. I think it does. It really comes back to surround yourself with the right people and and know yourself right. and the opportunity that's in front of you. Well, and all of those things can be boiled. It can be broken down into probably 200 different items, right? Absolutely. And each decision you make can have its own character in terms of the risk acceptance and, and who's involved in it. I mean, all of mm-hmm. those pieces really boil down to decision-making and and right. when and how you make those decisions, right. you know, with help. So, well, I appreciate all of the stuff we talked about today. Well, I hope, you know, I hope this was, you know, a learning experience for some people out there. I had fun. It was good talking to you. Is this the first time we've met in person? It is. Well, cool. I think so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming by today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.